Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue with Stephen's oral defense to the false charges raised by the Sanhedrin, found in Acts chapter 7, verses 17 through 43. In his defense, Stephen summed up the Old Testament and declared his faith in the face of death for the sake of Christ. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he delivers today's portion of this week's message entitled, Stephen Explains Moses. Now, when Jacob arrived in Israel with his family, there was a total population of 75 among the Israelites. Jacob and his family and his kids uh, and their wives, and, um, they went to Egypt in the days of Joseph, starting with 75 people. By the time of the Exodus, it's two, two and a half million, 400 years later. But the situation in Egypt changed drastically. The, the king of Egypt, called the Pharaoh, Pharaoh was not a name of a person, it's a, it's a position, it's a title. The Pharaoh, who knew and loved and trusted Joseph, had long since died. So verses 18 and 19. Until there arose another king over Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. It was he who took shrewd advantage of our race and mistreated our fathers so that they would expose their infants and they would not survive. So not only was there the slavery, there was this death edict. That refers to Exodus 1, 15 through 22, where the Pharaoh tried to get all the midwives to kill all boy babies among the Israelites when they were born, let only the girls live. Well, kind of like King Herod trying to kill Jesus, didn't work. God in His providence saw to it that the murderous plan was thwarted. So verse 20, it was at this time that Moses was born, and he was lovely in the sight of God, and he was nurtured three months in his father's home. They, they hid him as long as they could. And after he had been set outside, and you know the story, put him in the basket, put him in, put him in, the, in, in the river, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and nurtured him as her own son. There the reference is to Exodus chapter 2, verses 5 through 10. And again, the providence of God assures that Moses was preserved, and further, that he would know the ways of the Egyptians. He was specially prepared by God for the one-of-a-kind in history position that he would eventually hold as God's man to deliver Israel from Egypt. So verse 22, skimming through those 40 years, Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, and he was a man of power in words and deeds. Now notice it says that, um, and that's a, a quote, um, when Moses was before the burning bush, which we'll get to in a little while, remember he gave the excuses? Oh, God, I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't talk so good. Now, he was a man 
mighty in words and deeds. He was making an excuse. And he was doing exactly what I would have done. Nope, you got the wrong guy. He was trying to get out of it. Now, notice here that Moses is not a poster boy for homeschooling and for being sheltered from the culture of the unbelievers. Quite the opposite. He was, by the plan of God, totally immersed in all the ways of the Egyptians. It was an Egyptian princess, daughter of Pharaoh, that overrode the death decree of her father, and she unknowingly wound up playing a crucial role in protecting and developing God's chosen leader. Now, the text doesn't state it in so many words, but you're going to see it. It's obvious from what we're going to keep reading this morning. Somehow, Moses grew up aware that he was an Israelite. And that awareness led him to a turning point. Acts 7.23. But when he was approaching the age of 40, there's the first break of 40 years, it entered his mind to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel. Now remember, they lived in Goshen up to the north. God caused them to be separated from the main body of the Egyptians and um, preserved them in that way. Now, don't let it bother you that you're not given all the details here. It's okay to wonder how Moses came to know about his ancestry. It's okay to wonder how he got the idea that he was going to be some kind of a deliverer for his people. It's okay to wonder what provoked him to go visit the Israelites. It's okay to wonder all of that, but you have to accept the fact that we have everything we need to know for our life and godliness recorded in God's Word. And there are details we're not privy to until we are with the Lord. I often quip, I have this ever-growing list of things that I want to ask when I get to heaven. I have a feeling when I get there, I'm not going to give a rip about my list of things that I wanted to ask when I'm in the presence of my Lord and my Savior. Well, Moses went to visit his brethren, saw something he didn't like, verse 24, and when he saw one of them, an Egyptian, um, I'm sorry, when he saw one of them, one of his brethren, being treated unjustly, he defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptian. Yikes! Do you know Moses murdered somebody? And again, we don't know for sure exactly what Moses knew at that time or how he interpreted what he knew, but one thing is clear is that he assumed he was going to be welcomed by his fellow Israelites. Probably thought, hey, there's, here's a guy that been under the hands of the Egyptians. He still cares about us. Uh, woohoo, we're glad he's here. Come on in, Moses. Well, that wasn't quite the way that it went. Verse 25, and he supposed that his brethren understood that God was granting them deliverance through him, but they did not understand. Now, clearly, Moses took matters into his own hands when he killed the Egyptian who was abusing the Israelite. Don't, don't take your own vengeance. Let the Lord do that. But it was all part of God developing Moses into the man that he wanted him to be. And it was all in his providence that this happened. Don't forget that though God is never the cause or the author of sin, I love this phrase, he uses sin sinlessly 
to accomplish his will on earth. He works through everything in spite of what we might do. Well, the consequences of killing the abusive Egyptian came down immediately on Moses. Look at 26 and following. On the following day, he appeared to them as they were fighting each other. Now he comes upon two Israelites who are squabbling. And he tried to reconcile them in peace, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you injure one another? But the one who was injuring his neighbor pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? You do not mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday, do you? News traveled fast. And notice again that Stephen along the way was able to quote several key passages from memory. This time the quote is from chapter 2 of Exodus, verses 14 and 15. You'll notice it as the all caps in the New American Standard Translation. Well, there's the first 40 years of Moses' life. took us 12 verses. The next 40 go much faster, 40 years hiding. Verse 29, at this remark, Moses fled and became an alien in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. Now, I commend to you, look at the 68th book of your Bible. 66 is Revelation, 66 is Concordance, 68 is the book of Maps. Find Midian. Moses spent, spent 40 years there came away with a wife and two sons. This is all covered in Exodus 2, verses 15 through 22. Moses met and married his wife Zipporah, called her Zippy, I'm sure. Um, and they had two sons, Gershom and Eliezer. And in the meantime, the woes of the Israelites in Egypt continued to worsen. Remember, we're sneaking up on the end of that promised 400 years of Israel being enslaved. And it was getting bad. The second chapter of Exodus ends this way. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the sons of Israel and took notice of them. Now, it wasn't that God had forgotten His covenant. It wasn't that God hadn't heard His people groaning. This is just an anthropomorphic, anthropopathic way of saying that God uh, was faithful to His own promise. And so it was time for them to be delivered. Well, this is Stephen explaining Moses, 40 years developing, 40 years hiding, and now 40 years leading. You can again marvel at Stephen's grasp of the flow of the plan of God. He doesn't get mired in the details, but he continues to give this marvelous testimony. And he's going to build the case for the spiritual culpability of the ones that were accusing him and were intent on killing him. They were the bad guys here. And the way that Stephen sets that, Stephen sets that up is absolutely brilliant. Look at verses 30 through 32, and you'll see how he, he brings this to his point. Starting in verse 30. After 40 years had passed, that's the 40 that he spent in Midian, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning thorn bush. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight, and as he approached to look more closely, there came the voice of the Lord, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Moses shook with fear and would not venture 
to look. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.